What is up, everybody? Welcome into a victory post-game edition of Game Day Rewind. I am your host, Andrew Spade, joined by Brad Ward. We're here to break down a 31-27 victory by the Cleveland Browns at home against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a win that catapults them back into the fifth spot in the playoff rankings, the uh, top-ranked wildcard team. And gives them a, a leg up, really, on everybody else. Uh, the, we'll talk about this, I'm sure. A lot of other teams that are in the hunt lost today. And so the Browns, right now, the only wildcard team sitting at 8-5. and five. Everybody else uh, that's ahead of them is in, in, in the lead of a division. So this is a big win for the Browns, a big win within the conference. Puts them in great position for these last four games. We're here to break it all down. As I mentioned, joined by Brad, you see Jake Burns jumping on to join me here. And we have... Uh, very exciting news that we're going to share with you tonight. You notice that we're all wearing, uh, we're, we all look a lot better dressed than normal. And that's because we've got a very exciting sponsorship to tell you about uh, with our man, Philly. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but we want to dump, jump in on this game first. So Brad, I want to go to you. Uh, another hard fought victory at home. They're six and one now at home. And it feels like it, I don't want to say the word inevitable because no Browns victory ever feels inevitable, but they find a way at home, man, in a way that they just don't on the road. Isn't that right? It is. Uh, they um, impressed me again. This was uh, another one of those games that we've seen them lose in the past, over past years. This team is different, right? This was hard fought, physically taxing, uh, mentally taxing. And they just outlast the other team. They are relentless uh, in their pursuit of victory. And they, uh, it, it's, you know, it's easy to root for this team. They are uh, so much fun to watch. Um, the Miles Garrett stuff is interesting. We'll get to that. But, I mean, mm -hmm. they um, are physically, I mean, they're down to, the, the injuries are just, you can't even, you can't even put, you know, you can write about it. I just did some more, but you can talk about it. But it's it's really hard to even grasp how much the injuries are piling up. It's a war of attrition, as they kept saying on there. And and they're outlasting people anyways physically. Uh, it shows a tremendous amount of grit, heart, determination, uh, buy-in. Uh, and uh, I thought a ton of guys stepped up today, uh, huge, especially in the secondary uh, I thought they played with a ton of heart, uh, some of the younger guys. And, uh, man, it's just just a fantastic – to get to 8-5 and five in this game, and they're you're right, they're different. The defense is different at home. they got to find a way to kind of neutralize that at some point here. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, a lot of people want to say, you know, this is this team's ceiling, right? And this is this team – or this team's ceiling is not as high as it once was because of X player, X player. I, I'm going to refuse to do that because I think this team um, – it's hard to measure a lot of the ways that they they win, right? Um, and uh, I think that because of that, I'm not going to put a, a cap on what they can accomplish this year. Yeah, I think that – the best example of that, Brad, is the fact that, Jake, you and I talked about this game extensively ahead of time. If you'd have told me that they score 31 points, I would have assumed that a lot of those would be off of defensive turnovers. Um, I, The fact that they managed to score 31 against a, a pretty good Jacksonville Jaguars defense with the injuries that they have, Joe Flacco being you know, where he is in, in his career and the inconsistency that he showed throughout the game, 
I'm I'm a little stunned that they found a way to put that many points on the board. I see that we've got a lot of subscriptions coming in. Matt Darcy, I know, gave some of them. There's more coming now. Thank you all so much for that. Obviously, we're all here celebrating a win. But, Jake, the offensive production today, really impressive, considering the all of the context that goes along with where they are at this point in the season. Yeah, it does. I, I think that, you know, at least at least for me, when I look at it, the, the turnovers were obviously huge and beneficial to get those takeaways. I should, I should elaborate because there were turnovers for both sides. The takeaways were uh, important, but there was a difference in the quality of takeaways. I'm sure you guys would, would agree with me on that. Two of the takeaways for the Jags were pretty much short fields inside the 20-yard line, essentially. So when the Browns did get some takeaways, they really had to go down and earn their points. So a, a big credit to them. They did capitalize on the one short field that they got right out of halftime, did a great job with that. But yeah, it was a great opening script, right? Which I think obviously is something we have needed them to do. They've done it two straight weeks here. You get an excellent opening script. Uh, off of that opening script, you find a way to get to 14. Feel good about that. And honestly, the fumble, excuse me, the interception by Flacco when they were up 14 nothing and driving was really tough. We can get into the details of that here in just a little bit. But, you know, you thought like, okay, these guys are going to score at will. And then they had a little lull in between there. But I just um, I want to commend them, like you're saying here. The, the numbers, 389, are really strong. You know, again, you're putting up. It was the same amount of plays because Jacksonville's running a bunch of get-back-into-it plays at the end, but the Browns going for 5.3 a play is an extremely nice outcome for them. So, yeah, you feel good about how the offense, again, shorthanded, again, down a tackle. Not just down a tackle, but I think we could all agree James Hudson wasn't exactly helping on a lot of different scenarios. They were able to overcome. And I just think that, like, we were asked the question earlier, Andrew, this week about you know, the, there's all these things we're talking about that just aren't quite maybe good enough, right? Whatever, whatever. And how are they in these games or how are they winning it? They don't, I don't, they just look like a team that knows how to win. And how many times have we ever said that about the Browns? Because things are not perfect for them a lot of times, right? Things are, things are ugly. Things are, I mean, how many times in that game that felt like it lasted for forever? That was the it longest did. game I've ever watched. It felt like. I felt like there were more times where I was like, oh, they're giving this thing away than they were seizing it. And they found a way to get it done again. And that's like the theme of this year, gentlemen, is find a way. And they're finding a way more often than not to the tune of eight and five. And that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Jake, you, you mentioned something about the turnovers that I think we got to really jump on because like and I, I, I don't want to harsh anybody's buzz. Right. We're having a good time. The Browns won. So I'm, I am aware of where they landed with all of this. But. To your point, they they were in control of this game up 14 points, and and then the turnover bug bit Joe Flacco in a big way, in a big way, and it started to feel like, man, is it is it to the point where they can't, they there's too much to overcome? Is that are they at that point? And I think it again speaks to the resilience, Brad, right, that they're able to go through these periods on offense on a game by game basis. They go through a period on offense where they look like they cannot move the ball, right. In this game, it lasted quite a while, but they still managed in the end to come out on top through some combination of complimentary football. Special teams were massive today. But I want I want I guess what I want to ask you about is there there was a point for me, I'm interested in what you think. There was a point for me where I started to to wonder about Dorian Thompson Robinson just because the quality of play, the consistency we were seeing from Joe Flacco really dipped there in a position where he didn't need to be 
taking those sorts of risks, generating turnovers like that, right? Brad, feel um, free. I'll, I'll jump in after you. Yeah, I guess. I mean, he threw one interception, right? And one fumble and Correct. then uh, Cooper's fumble, right? So, yep. Yeah, and I, and I get I guess you're saying like more of like a turnover worthy play, right? Uh, yeah, like, and just in, inconsistent yeah. kind of spraying the ball a little bit, missing guys that were open, that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, um, I do. Uh, he just provides. I just think he provides so much more upside on the offense than than Dorian Thompson Robinson. I don't think you could ever take that step back at this point, and clearly they're not. They've named him the starter the rest of the year, but I would say that. I kind of look at the turnovers, although they can't seem to shake them in this game. You can almost look at it like a positive because not a positive, but like they controlled this game. They should have won this game going away. Really? If imagine if they played a clean game in this one, I mean, three separate times. Imagine Andrew, if they played a clean game this year, period. <laughs> right. But like, but three separate times they were going away. Like it felt like they had control of the game and sure. a turnover gave them new life. Like, no, you agree. know, the first one, and then again, it felt like they had control, and you had the fumble by Cooper, and then you had, once again, it felt like you had control, and then the sack uh, strip. All three times, it felt like the Browns were going to go up by 21 and, and, and kind of walk to a victory, uh, and none of those happened because of those turnovers. So <laughs> if you could just eliminate those, I mean, they would have. They really should have kicked their ass, right? I mean, let's be honest. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They went four for eighteen. I'm I'm with you in the sense, Andrew. There was a moment there where there were just like a couple throws late in the second quarter, a ball sails. Like there were there was a stretch run there of like, I I thought to myself, I think it was like, like one or six Joe or Flacco one or seven. Coming. Yeah. It was like I'm seeing this is the Flacco kind of coming back down to earth right. a little bit here, right? That's like, what I was worried about. That, that's where I was at one. I don't remember the specific point because I'm, I'm chasing kids around our house and like I, I am trying to watch the game while making dinner and doing other stuff. I'm doing my best here. That's why Mondays are so important for me to really sit back and totally consume it. But I, I don't remember the exact point that that happened. But I know that there was a moment in there where I was not necessarily like pining for DTR so much as to say, this is kind of Flacco coming back down to earth. He like, he, he missed a couple, he bounced one, uh, a couple, like there was just a couple that he missed. He bounced one. There was a late one to Amari Cooper and the number two, the, the inside mm -hmm. slot slant that he missed on. He just didn't throw it to him. He threw it outside. I think to Elijah Moore should have been a flag, but there were just some misses and there was like a little bit of scuttlebutt in there about like, you know, who he was going to and all of that. So, yeah, there was a lull in the middle, but they ended up making enough plays. By the end of the game, you could sense that – I mean, I kind of feel stupid. There's a lot of predictions that we do when guys sign or guys start or whatever. I mean, this is two straight games. Flacco's been at, like, mid-40s attempts. Like, there, there is zero fear to throw the football with him and away right. from Kevin that I, I don't he, think I've ever seen from him. Like, that's with right. any quarterback he's been here with, he has no fear of having – now – the run game is different, right? So you can't say like most of Deshaun starts, most of Baker starts. You got Nick Chubb, you're going to get him the ball. But I think we can all agree here of the 22 carries between Jerome and, and Kareem, it was not much to be found in, in the way they approached the run game, which is another discussion down the line. But I would just say it is, uh, it's, it's just very interesting to me, fellas, to start a bigger conversation about the trust in Flacco to throw it 45 times because there's two straight weeks of that. And I was fine with, I found myself being fine with, I'm like, this is the way they move them. There is no other yeah. option here. Yeah. There was like, there is well, no other option. So I was just like, okay, I guess I couldn't be more wrong. I thought you would just kind of be like, okay, 
I think the thing I told people when they signed him was, well, the Jets were throwing him 40 times a game and you can't do that. That's a recipe for disaster. Yeah. And I think I've got to give him some credit. We'll talk. I mean, the slant flat interception was more of like, I, I don't know. I need to look at it again because it looked to me like he was expecting the flat was open. And I don't know if he was expecting Tillman to keep going and Tillman got into the congestion, and just that's the risk of that play because that is what is the risk of that play. We'll we'll look at it a bit more in depth with all twenty-two, but I didn't, I didn't feel there were many throws from Joe that were put in harm's way, as of compared to last week, where I think we could all agree he had three or four turnover-worthy throws. Yeah. I also need to see the blitz play that led to the fumble because I need to know if he was responsible for that player or if there was just a miscommunication up front that led to the edge. The, 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 it was a defensive back, a nickel blitz that yeah. led to that. So, I mean, I have gotten uh, collectively at the end now, having seen him put together what he put together, especially making that fourth down throw, guys. I mean, the ability to know it's a, it's a blitz, it's a seven-man with six protection, and to be able to just sort of fade away from that the way he did Slide and to get the that right. ball to Bell was really great, man. It was really great. And even the touchdown in the Joku, the second one, where he had to come off of a counter fake, turning his back to the pressure. He knew they were blitzing. He could see it when he took the snap. They were blitzing to turn his back, get his feet set, trust his guys, and deliver a catchable yak ball that turns into a touchdown. I mean, he's doing really well here, man. So I just want yeah. to commend him. No, and, and I think, yeah, to, to it's not that I think that he had a bad game, but there was that swoon, and you you yeah. nailed yeah. the exact time. And it just what I what I think was interesting about it was that it felt like, you know that that was kind of gonna be gonna be the beginning of the end, and instead he bounced back the the fourth down throw to David Bell. Stefanski glowed about it after the game. is a is an incredible play that that happens a little bit out of structure. Flacco making a few plays out of structure that you know responding to pressure that. You know, you didn't expect to see any of that from him. One of my big concerns for this game was that I thought the Jags could pressure better than the Rams could, and they and they did. But he handled it pretty well. They he coped pretty well with the, it, that sort of pressure. But Jake, you brought something else up that I think we got to talk about, which is they have to throw the ball forty times a game because they're not running the ball right now. Yeah, I want to just make sure we're pinning down the moment we're talking about, Andrew. Which Please is, do. Thank you. Well, like okay, so they score a touchdown to uh, on four play seventy two yards, yeah, right? Great touchdown drive. And then they went five plays interception, one play fumble, not his fault, one play right. fumble, three plays, 18 yards punt, five plays, 23 yards punt, five plays, 20 yards punt. I think that, that in that time, he was like, okay, third downs, they're not converting these. We clearly, yes. they clearly can't. I, I, we're, I, I think I want to be very clear that Andrew and I weren't saying like, Joe's playing terrible, they need to replace him. Right. But you start to have this thought of like, well, this is Flacco kind of coming back down to earth, and how are they going to generate some points? But in the second half, he rallied really well. I don't have the second half stats in front of me, but uh, given what we know, he, he put together uh, he put together a co- you know some impressive drives there in the second half and did enough to win that ball game, right? right. So I, yes. I think he deserves a lot of credit for that. And he threw for 300 yards, which is a pretty rare thing for us for Browns quarterbacks this year. <laughs> he's, he's spreading it around too. Nine, nine last week, eight this week. Receivers. He's getting a lot more mm-hmm. people involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, the run game stuff though is great, Andrew. I, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I like they can't run gun stuff inside the tackle box. That's not working, which is so bizarre to me with the guard center guard combination. 
the Jags were very well planned out structurally for their lateral shotgun run game, all of the pin pull stuff they like to try to go to. They tried to get under center and run wide zone. Jags won the line of scrimmage and took those away. Hell, they had a first down throw for nine yards there late in the game, tried to go wide zone on second down, lost two yards, made it third and three before the eventual fourth and three 41-yard David Bell touchdown. So I I don't know. I don't have a great answer for run game stuff. They're, they're, I mean, usually once you watch it live, you have to go back and rewatch it. But, like, I don't feel great about where they're at with it right now. I did not feel like there were many run lanes to be had. I think, hell, I think the longest run they had was a 426-yard run there that, that, that was right before the fumble. Uh, if I, no, sorry, the interception that, that Flacco threw there. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I need to see what they were missing, what they're leaving out there, because uh, they're clearly unable to do much effectively with how they were, were trying to pair some of their throwing looks with it, shotgun right or under center. So it was just a really rough day. Uh, my question about the run game would be this. Uh, uh, okay, it's clearly not where they want it to be, and, and you, guys, you guys tell me you think about this. But they, the one thing they are good at, I think you would say in the run game, is short yardage, right? Like, they seem to be converting a lot of their short yardage stuff, whether that's because of Kareem Hunt or whatever. Uh, but, like, you know, they're third and ones, they're fourth and ones, they're, they're getting them on the ground. Uh, so they're good at that, right, it seems like. When they need to have it, they're getting it on the ground. I'm wondering if, like, you know – and Ford not efficient, as you mentioned, as long a 26, 12 carries, 51 yards for Ford. Uh, a lot of that, though, I would say that he caught a lot of passes out of the backfield. So, you know, maybe they're trying to do, you know, run game by extension when you're getting them the ball out wide and letting him kind of get up the field. Are they doing enough combined by the swing outs to him and giving him the ball just enough to keep teams honest? so that the pass game is efficient. Well, last week they played the Rams, and I mean, when they played the Rams, I think the Rams had uh, ran against eight men in the box 8% of the times, while the Browns ran against it 30% of the time. So So I still think there's a lack of fear (laughs) of them running the foot, of throwing the football over their head. I mean, ultimately, when, when Ford puts together 80 yards on 20 touches, it's not that bad, right? It's really not that bad, but... I think you guys would agree with me that when they get into these moments where it's 28-14 or, um, you know, I think that that exact score was the score when they took over the ball there early third yeah. quarter, uh, they, they need to be able to find some rhythm and running to, to take time off the clock to bleed the clock. Like, that's got to be an element of what they can do because if you're forced to continue to throw, even when you're up, the margin for error, as we all know, with their throwing structure – and the fourth quarterback in the system now is always going to be pretty small. So I think you would like them to be able to run with more efficiency. I thought they have had better moments, better in the second half against the Rams last week. It's not all bad here. And we do know, Andrew, we talked about this ahead of time, and maybe you did, Brad, with a guest on your show this week too. The Jags defend the run pretty well. Like They are one of the better run team defenses in the NFL. So I, there's that. There's that element too. But but I I, they, I think that they would agree if you got the guys together and Kevin maybe talks tomorrow, they've got to find a way to run it more efficiently because there were real moments in that game where it's like I don't really know how they're going to move the football here. They're putting themselves in a bunch of third and longs. Now they were three for three on fourth down. That helps make up for four for eighteen on third down a little bit. But you don't want to find yourself in that many fourth downs, gentlemen. I mean, that's that's for certain. But but yeah, I, I think that there was probably an idea here. 
we don't want Joe Flacco throwing 45 times. Can we cut 10 off of that and find a way to be 10, eight to 10 more effective runs mixed in there? That'd probably be the hope for them. It's unsustainable to think you can continue to get this out of 38 year old Joe Flacco, in my opinion. Right. Without risking. Yeah. The sorts of plays that we saw in the second quarter there, where you start to see the turnovers come in bunches, which is, is the concern, right? The fear is that that is around. And as we said, he bounced back, but yeah, you, you want to be able to put him in, in more conducive situations. He was dropping back in a lot of third and longs. Their third down conversion rate for the game was pretty low, uh, re- really, really low. So it, it you know that, I think, is reflective of having a lot of third and longs, which are obviously lower percentage. Um, one thing from my perspective watching it live is it felt like whether it was Ford or Hunt, we didn't really see. I think we saw one Pierre Strong carry on the day. Yeah. The, 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 you know, they're using Kareem Hunt way more than I would expect them to, uh, in, in some first and 10 situations, which is really surprising to me. I think he's shown value as a, as a short yardage back and, and, and as a, as a pass protector, obviously, but, but first and 10 with Kareem Hunt, especially running laterally feels dead on arrival. As soon as the ball's in his, in his stomach and he's headed towards the sideline, it, it feels like it's toast. So I, I continue to say, and, and, Maybe I'm barking up the wrong tree here, but it feels to me like this is a team that could benefit from exploring another option at running back. They don't, they clearly don't trust Pierre Strong, right? I mean, that, that ship has sailed, I think. Um, and and Hunt is who he is. Ford seems limited, and I think also maybe dealing with a knock or two. He, he seems hobbled often. Is there room on the roster? Can they figure out a way to get a fourth guy in here that maybe gives them a different more north and south dimension. I think it's worth something worth exploring, Brad. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, I wish that guy was Pierre Strong. You know, uh, he's good. He seems to be really good on. I commented on today. He seems to be really good on special teams. Uh, he covers kicks pretty well. He's always down there, there, and and he seems to be good when they give him the ball. He just can't pass protect. So he's kind of a. Uh, you're tipping your hand when he goes in the game, right? Like he's probably going to touch it. Uh, when he goes in on offense. So you need somebody that can do both. Um, and uh, I don't know who that guy is. Who who are op- Who's on the practice squad running back-wise right now? Nobody of relevance, right? John so, Kelly. John Kelly. That's not the answer, I don't think. So uh, maybe it is. Uh, that's a good question. I don't know who's on the street, uh, you know, as far as that goes. But I, I get your point. I would agree with you that I would be open to – someone else getting it because to your point i mean kareem hunt serves a great purpose 10 for 27 2.7 a rush uh it's a bruising 27 yards he punishes you he falls forward really well as you always say uh you know and he will get the one to three yards you need to get when you you know when you need it and it's blocked up right but uh beyond that he's not gonna break any uh, his most effective plays are those uh, hesitation draws up the middle. He seems right. to find some success with that st- yeah. a little bit. But other than that, that's it. Yeah, when you look at their upcoming schedule, I think they might have a chance to, to run the ball. Uh, I think the Bears are okay against the run. I think the, the Texans really struggle with it. So they might have a chance over the next two weeks to maybe get right even with the players that they have on the roster. Uh, I know that Jets game will be, a, will be a, a real slog from a running perspective. And then... The Bengals are pretty generous these days, although Zach Moss struggled today uh, for Indianapolis. All right, we want to talk about the defense, obviously, because the defense had a hell of a day against uh, Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, all those turnovers. But before we do, we are super excited to introduce a new sponsor to you. 
the OBR doesn't do a lot of this, but we are excited to be able to do it. And the best part about it is that it is one of our own. One of the guys that's in here with you in the comment section every night, I think often night, a lot of nights, certainly every Sunday night, I'll say that. Uh, it's, it's, it's our own OG Philly is here uh, as our sponsor. And he is uh, an official sponsor of the OBR that we're just so excited to have. He's, he's been very uh, generous. You can see we're all wearing uh, merch that has been created by Philly's company. And, and it's I'm thrilled with it. It's really high quality stuff. I love the way it looks. Uh, so we're super excited to welcome Philly as an official sponsor of the OBR postgame show. And we look forward to giving him a shout out just like this on every uh, show that we do every Sunday night because, man, you can't say enough about what quality products these are. So, um, it, you know, as I said, it's OG Philly. His, his full name Scott Fillinger, and uh, he is a sponsor of these streams. He works with everyone from Fortune 500 companies to small businesses like the OBR to create products that reflect their branding, like what you see here on the stream. You can see the hat that I'm wearing. I, I, everything we're wearing is, is branded. My, my Zip's got a logo here. It's just a little bit out of frame, but there you go. We've got OBR merch out the wazoo and, and frankly, thrilled about the quality. Uh, really excited about it. If you are in marketing, human resources, or operations, and you have, or if you, if you have your own small business and you order these kinds of products, reach out to Philly and he'll be eager to help you out. You can see the contact info on the screen. You can see it there. Uh, Scott Fillinger at proforma.com, 800-380-6360. And he will set you up with everything that you need. Uh, that's extension 28 there. Uh, but there's a website, gosync.com. Uh, you can see all the socials. Yeah, everybody here knows how to get in touch with Philly, I'm quite certain. Uh, as we have learned on the OBR, Philly is the man. We love working with him informally, just as a guy to hang out with and uh, and uh, chat about the Browns. But we also uh, love this business partnership that we've developed. If you are in the market for branded apparel, for staff, promotional products, Commercial printing, displays, and signage for trade shows and events. Uh, Philly can help you out with any of that. He can also build an e-commerce store for you uh, so that you can help your clients easily order the products directly. Uh, so he's the guy to contact. Give him a call and uh, set something up with him as soon as possible if that's a need that you have. All right. So we'll talk about the defense. Uh, this, Jake. This hat. This, yeah. This all, hat. all the stuff you see. Yep. Nike. Exactly. Trust the OBR. Love yeah. it. Wait, th this is... Uh... Under Armour, super slick. I'm just saying, he sent the stuff over. I mean, he's yeah. super comfortable. I'd buy it anyways. I went and I just, I bought like everything that was on the thing. So I, I yeah. was like, oh, this is my limit. Well, I'm buying everything. So <laughs> Brad loaded up. Yeah. So, all right. So, yeah. So please reach out to Philly. He will set you up. Um, Brad or Jake, I want to go to you on the defense because the, the turnovers really were the difference in this game. And some of those plays by the secondary were plays that, I mean, I don't, I, mean, a bit, I don't want to say this negatively, but the secondary hasn't made in other opportunities. The, I'm thinking of the Newsom uh, interception where he tracks that ball like a wide receiver down the field, right? Yeah. Um, that that Emerson snag where the, the receiver cut it too far in and it was over his shoulder, but he had to dig it up, up off the turf. These aren't just, you know, uh, popped up in the air and Newsom runs underneath it and heads right into the end zone where it's kind of put on a platter for him. These are guys making plays, Jake, and it, it feels... I mean, it feels really impressive against a team that where they obviously needed to have as many turnovers as they generated. Yeah, I, I don't think they outthought uh, the Jaguars on any of those necessarily, but they made tough plays on the football, right? I think that Lawrence's um, his decisions 
out i mean the fade ball was a bad one although you know if you look at it like off the line of scrimmage did he think he could he could have a guy i mean zay jones isn't really he's not really beating newsom down the field so that's kind of hard to believe that's the right decision the one the emerson the the first one you know was uh, i mean borderline like flacco from last week he just kind of kind of yeah. didn't didn't give him the right angle on that football going up the field so good catch the second one was just a missed throw I don't know if ankles, uh, if, if Lawrence's ankle was bothering him on throws, but I, watching that guy run, I was like, <laughs> "There's no ankle issue for this guy. He is still yeah, moving really well." I didn't, yeah. you know, I know that we we're building this up. I mean, he's literally hobbling off the field like he couldn't walk last week, and that's an that's a miraculous turnaround time for an air quotes high ankle sprain. If you've had a high ankle sprain before, like you're not running it's not like the that. result in a week's time. Mm-hmm. Like that's not how it goes. It's just not. You can call him like this the you know superhuman or whatever but that's not how it goes but nonetheless maybe it was giving him some issues with his throwing i'm not sure i didn't listen to to trevor's post game comments but uh, i just know that i wasn't necessarily thinking the browns made a bunch of like uh you know quick read jumping a decision but they made plays on the football which is something that we have been needing them to do right so i thought that the christian kirk absence showed up a lot on what mm-hmm. jacksonville likes to do on offense redirecting those targets but uh, I think that again, you guys are you're making the right point, Andrew. Like they made plays, like Scoot, like Newsom's interception after he had one on third down tip that he could have intercepted yeah. earlier in the game, yeah. yeah, which would have been a big one. That was a great play because we haven't. I mean, coming in this year, Newsom hadn't had any, any interceptions, so mm-hmm. good to see him jump up there. And then obviously uh, Newsom's, uh, sorry, Emerson's first one was a nice tracking, and then the second one was just a hell of a, like going down and, and and digging it out. So yeah, kudos to them for those those turnovers and then Anthony Walker for ripping that football out there mm-hmm. right after halftime, which ended up, as we all know, being the difference in the game and, and giving them a short field to go down and score w- yeah. with there. So yeah, I mean, four takeaways when you have three giveaways, you know, you, you, we all talk about this game ahead of time. We said the Browns are going to give the football away three times. You're like, okay, they're going to lose. Yep. Call well, it. They, they got it back four times and that's the massive kudos to the defense, which wasn't perfect. And again, playing without Thornhill without grant for a long period of this game, which big fingers crossed that grant's going to come back and be okay. Um, and obviously now uh, we all know Rodney McLeod has been out for a while. They're, they're down their three guys. Like yeah. they're playing Ronnie Hickman, DeAnthony Bell, and, and, yeah. and, and trying to figure it out on the fly. So that, that is worth underlining, kind of, Jake. Yeah, that's worth underlining because Ronnie Hickman, I, I know some people might know, but I just want to like underline this for everybody. Ronnie Hickman joined this team as an undrafted free agent, was supposed to be drafted. Uh, people had him in sort of the fifth round range, I think. Ended up going undrafted, signs with the Browns uh, as an undrafted free agent this offseason makes the team out of training camp and has mostly played specials, was inactive a few times earlier in the year, and he played the entire game. Because Juan Thornhill, I believe the story here, Brad, is that he tweaked a calf in pregame. He was he was active, right? Was going to play and then tweaked it early. And My so understanding he was, is, didn't he miss two weeks ago from a calf? So it would be the with same calf. calf. He probably yeah. re-injured it in pregame yeah. or something. Yeah. So that right. happens in pregame and you're missing Ward and then you lose yes. Delpit. Right, all inside the game, and then Mitchell kind of gets dinged up in the game, and right. it's his first game back. I mean, their ability to overcome this stuff is yeah. it's wild. I mean, and so <clears throat> that, to my point, Hickman is playing the entire game. That's not an in-game injury for Thornhill. That's the entire. That's the whole. And he was back there as the as the post safety the he entire way. Well. Yeah, and you didn't well. feel, yeah, you didn't feel it. Not. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't want to be mean to Mike Ford, but when Mike Ford's in the game, you feel it. You feel right? it he, immediately. At this point, he is. He's one of those players that has the target on him, unfortunately for him, right? Teams know, 
after what the Rams did to him last week, teams know Ford's in the field. We can get one here. Uh, yep. That is not, but that has not been the case with Ronnie Hickman. Hasn't been the case with Cam Mitchell. He, uh, you know, as Jake mentioned, he went out with cramps for a little bit, came back, and that's when Ford got into the game there. And then, as as Jake mentioned, Grant Delpit goes down with a groin injury. We'll see how that progresses. But now you're playing DeAnthony Bell, who is an undrafted free agent last year out of a Divisions Two school, West Florida. So they finished a game against a division leading. AFC South division leading Jacksonville Jaguar team that can throw the ball. One of the better quarterbacks in the league playing two undrafted free agent safeties at both spots. So an immense amount of credit, both to the staff and to those players for stepping in a, in a position where if they find one, if the Jaguars find one deep where they roast Hickman or bell, we're sitting here saying, well, that's their fourth, fifth safety. Yep. What do you expect them to do? We're not mad. We're not frustrated we're not criticizing those players they're put in an unwinnable position they were put in that position and they succeeded it's an incredible testament to the talent of the players and the staff go ahead brett cameron mitchell i thought was like to come off ir and step in and play today and play the kind of sticky coverage he had and make a play at the end of the game him and hickman converging on that last play on fourth down with three minutes left where they stopped him uh turned him over on downs both of them, right? It was a bang bang play, but they were right there, both in coverage. Um, you know, to your point, Hickman played well, but everybody stepped up. I mean, Emerson, I, I can't say enough about Emerson. Like, I feel like I write about him every week. Like, it's, uh, I just love the guy. Like, he's t taking a willing, uh, vocal leadership role on the defense, as we saw in that, you know, earlier in the season with that DTR video, one of my favorites of the season where he's yelling in DTR's ear after the win. But you can see on the field today, no Den Denzel Ward. He's out there vocally leading. Delpit leaves. He's out there vocally leading. Uh, tremendous two turnovers. And I thought, you know, as hard as we were on Greg Newsom the last two weeks, uh, I thought he was much better today, and in including the play where, not just the play where he got the interception, but all day I thought he was better. Let me ask you guys this question. Do you find yourselves <clears throat> thinking about if they didn't have the injuries this team because we're watching kansas city lose they're eight and five bills are seven and six if we if you are you having thoughts and maybe we're too close to the win here to have this discussion because you're kind of riding a high but have you had the thought of like if this team wasn't beat up they genuinely might be the best team they'd be right there with baltimore best team in the nfl uh sorry afc say afc type of way or has that crept into your mind or are you thinking no along the lines of like the 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 struggle and and like the the nobody believes in us the, the the we're being counted out because people are out whatever has helped mold them into the way they are i i just actually my first i just got done writing about this I, a lot of people are going to talk about the ceiling of what this team could have been this year, especially with it, where it seems like a lot of teams are falling down around you. Um, what could this team have been? I tend to lean more into the, uh, the, um, the rally of, of the, um, you know, fighting through this, the fight, the resilience, the, the persistence. And a lot of that is kind of, uh, has a romantic feel to it, right? You know, the 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 battle that they have to go through to find a ways to win every week is kind of a little bit magical, and I kind of lean into that a little bit. 
Yeah, I mean, I think every team has injuries, right? So, so you can't if you say they have perfect health, then you almost can safely predict them to win the championship because every other team in the league is going to have adversity. But I think uh, if they have half the injuries, right, or if you 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 get to keep Chubb but you lose Watson, right? Say say that's the scenario. I th I think the Browns are are right there neck and neck with the Ravens, even with with the Watson, just because he he you know he wasn't lighting the world on fire as as a quarterback, so. It's the two of those things happening simultaneously that they don't have a reliable answer on offense. And so that now you're in week 14 and your most reliable answer on offense is Joe Flacco throwing the ball. It's it's the stuff that if you'd have said this in the preseason, it's like, well, what's their record? Probably, you know, five and five and eight, four and nine. Are, you know, they have ten, they have ten losses already. Are they eliminated? I mean, are they eliminated from the playoffs already? So, so to me, I think it's the it's both. It's both the yeah. Chubb and the Watson, the quarterback issue plus the plus the running back. You just don't have any any reliable offense. Uh, go ahead, Brett. I was just going to say it's probably a little a little both. You said it for me. Uh, you know, you could have had the same feeling in resilience and learning how to win uh, without all of these injuries, exactly. right? Like exactly. you can still overcome adversity without losing every right. single player on your team. And I'll go back to something that I've said over the past few weeks, even after the Watson season ender injury, is that with this defense, the way that they play, now the home and road splits start to give you pause. But I will still say that on any given week, I believe this defense can shut down any offense in the league. So from that perspective, we, we know what they did to the 49ers. I know that was in Cleveland, but but regardless, you you give them a chance going into any game because of the defense. And so if Flacco can continue to take steps, I think the narrative now, right, is that the ceiling is they make the playoffs and then get bounced. I think that narrative can shift between now and the end of the season based on what we're seeing, as crazy as it sounds, based on what we're seeing from Joe Flacco and where he seems to be at. Where, where I think as much as it's about what he's able to do on the field, Jake, wouldn't you agree it's about where he's at mentally? I, you know, From the day he showed up, his first press conference, he has had a clear sense of purpose that I think he has believed that he can take this team far. Yeah, yeah, and I want to clarify real quick, like the point of what I was saying before is do, like more of a do you find yourself thinking what could have been or do you find yourself just enjoying what the hell they're doing? Like that's kind of like the balance I think that, gotcha. that was yeah. interesting for Browns fans of like, yeah, yeah, you know, the, the both sides of that could be interesting. We're all enjoying it to an extent, but you're watching like the AFC is, is wide open and they could – who knows, man? They could still wish the Rams would have got that done today. That would have been nice. But mm -hmm. uh, nonetheless, yeah, I, I think mentally Joe seems sharp. He seems to know even the balls that he missed today, um, you know, the ones that were either short hopped or just a little off or I didn't find him having very many mental mistakes. Right. I think that you have to read a little bit of uh, look into a little bit more of the film on some of the decisions. I think there were a couple mishaps, but I thought most of what happened were like getting exposure to playing more and just getting back in the flow of feeling comfortable in chaos where you're short hopping a couple throws, right? Or you're not seeing the slant from number two you need to see versus throwing the outside slant, stuff like that. I, I Yeah, I think that <laughs> the funny thing is here with Flacco is he's kind of dispelling the Watson stuff a little bit. He's making it harder to do the whole rust element of uh, this whole thing because, I mean, through two games – he doesn't seem to have a lot of mental lapses right now. He seems to deliver the football in chaos relatively comfortably for a guy who hasn't seen the field in 
I mean, again, what was the date of that Dolphins game last season? It was pretty late in the year. These these games are happening late in the year. It's not like he had camp or any practices to be involved in. Right. So it's not like he was getting any sort of live bullets thrown at him. Uh, I'll just give him credit. I don't. I also don't think I want to be careful in, about being like comparing the two. Like it's different. So I don't. I don't. I don't want to do that necessarily. But I, I just think that Joe has done a good job of proving that like. The right player, right system, right time, he can come in and be an effective player. He's been mentally sharp. The physical stuff, I think, is catching up a little bit. I think, again, he got out of a couple very dangerous pocket situations. You're like, I can't believe he's getting out of these or hanging on to the football or whatever, and he's doing it. So mental and uh, physical stuff has been pretty impressive from my perspective. And and I, I guys, I couldn't – I mean, I I wasn't watching the film last year. I wasn't – I didn't see, like, a totally washed player – but I, I'm pretty surprised this is the full result. I think there were good, in my opinion, there were always going to be stretches from him that looked okay. But two games in, it's been pretty good. So, you know. How Brad, much of that, I, me, how much of that just, credit do you give to Kevin? I, I mean, I, I kind of said it to Andrew all week. I think he's really comfortable. So I think Kevin's comfortable calling plays for him. I think this yeah. has put Kevin at ease in terms of the guy he likes the structure he likes to use around his quarterback that again, this is a discussion for way later. My yeah. point is I think Kevin's very comfortable doing things that Joe likes to do. And I think Joe is very comfortable operating the quarterback position the way Kevin wants him to put right. it well, that way. Yeah. So I, I want to spin this forward a little bit, right? Because the Browns are home again next week. They've got the bears, a team that has been playing a lot better football recently, uh, but a team that you still would expect the Browns to, they were going to be favored. You expect them to win that game. So Brad, you know, kind of look into the future a little bit here about can Joe keep this up? Can he continue to play at this level where he minimizes the mistakes and and focuses on the the winning football plays that he's been able to find over the the, the certainly today, but I think even last week he was finding some of them. I think he can. I absolutely think he can. Uh, you know, I think that uh, you can even build on some of this stuff, right? Like every week, I mean, he's only been here two, three weeks tops. I think that some of this has to get better with time as well and repetitions and time with Stefanski and things that he likes and them working together. I mean, naturally that has to at some point breed some more success and some more continuity in the offense. Uh, as a guy that was just thrown in there, you would think that equals uh, some better connection with wide receivers and, and some offensive stuff that they're – more comfortable with uh but yeah so i just think that it is possible and i do think that as we go forward and you put place a team like the bears if he if they draw back and throw it 45 times against the bears next week i think that's a totally different discussion uh, you need to find a game to a way to win this game against a team that's not very good without doing this right i got some bad news about the bears their defense, defense, defense is playing really yeah, well. Their run defense weeks. is playing really well. I and know. they're they're collectively playing their best football of the season. So that's not mm -hmm. seems to be the sort of uh So maybe they do. Maybe they have to throw out forty five. Maybe I mean he's thrown it eighty nine times in two weeks. That's absurd. But uh I maybe that's the recipe, but I would, you know, like to try to see if they can find a way to win it without going over forty pass attempts. I agree, Brad. It's not very balanced. I'm I'm with you, man, for sure. All right, so so a little bit of time here just at the end to talk about the playoff picture, right? Because uh, the the Browns with this win are back into the five seed. They're sitting at eight and five. As it stands currently, uh, we would get a rematch of the game we just watched in Jacksonville, Wild Card Weekend, which I, I it's a game I would like the Browns in. I have to be honest with you. I don't, you know, you don't fear that that road environment that much, and I think 
I think we just saw the 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 path for the Browns to win, but the the Ravens escape on a walk off overtime punt return touchdown against the Rams. Blocking back, blocking back with with a with an epic <laughs> block in the back at the beginning of it. I think it's worth talking about that the path to the division is not completely foreclosed, right? Because the the Ravens four games coming up, they go to Jacksonville next week. Then they've got at San Francisco. A, a, a road game at San Francisco on Christmas night. So back-to-back road games. Then they are home for the Dolphins, and then they finish with a home game against the Steelers. It's a rivalry game. Anything can happen. If the Browns and the Ravens are tied, from everything I can understand, the Browns win the division. So can you find two losses for the Ravens and the Browns win out, or three losses for the Ravens and the Browns lose one? I think the Browns winning out is more... It gets them into the position because two losses, the Ravens going two and two is is fairly reasonable from here. So I want to say that the division is not foreclosed. The wild card picture also got a lot clearer for the Browns because we know what's going on with Pittsburgh. They just lost to two win teams back to back weeks. The Colts lost to the Bengals. The Bengals now seem like they are back in it at seven and six. You've got the Bills who get to seven and six with a win against the Chiefs in hilarious fashion. The Broncos are at seven and six. There's a the Texans are at seven and six. I could keep naming seven and six teams for the next half hour. Yeah. There's a log jam, and the the best part about it, guys, is that the Browns have a one game lead over that entire log jam. So you feel good about where they are. You feel good about next week. I know that we just talked about the Bears team being a little resurgent, but they are favored and at home. So Jake, at this point, it feels like Super Bowl. There you go. Exactly. Right. That's there what I was go. looking for. But no, I, what I, I wanted to say is that they, they've got one one leg in the playoffs if they can continue to take care of business. This game was wild. Yeah. We talked about it all week. So important just because Huge. of you could eventually potentially see the Jags as a tiebreaker team because, well, it didn't help that both the Texans and Colts lost today for that sake. But nonetheless, that's a team that you could have had to go head-to-head to get into the playoffs with. So, that's a great win, and it's another conference win. It's, we all know the conference tiebreaker stuff is going to be a big part of the, the log jam. So, you know, the worst-case scenario, two and two, the, I mean, the division would be great, guys. It is four, There are four very plausible wins here, right? Um, and I think that's worth reiterating, that they can win all four. In the, in the Ravens, I will just say they better lose their next three because they, they're home, their closing game against Pittsburgh, I do not envision that one. Uh, you know, being a Pittsburgh, a very motivated sure. Pittsburgh team. So the next three better be rough for them. And that's why that Rams game today was so vital. But it's not close. The door's not closed. But the general point, Andrew, we've talked about a lot, is getting to 10 wins is a real chance to be in a great position. And they have four games to get two wins. They're in a good position. And they are in a really good position from the AFC perspective. Now, I just want to say that this game against the Bears, if you're going to lose one or two of these, this is one of the ones you would do that because it's not a conference game. So it doesn't have that lingering tiebreaker effect to it. But win them all. Just win them all and don't leave it to chance. But, you uh, yeah, you're, to your point, Andrew, which is well said, the Bears at home, they're a hot team. They're playing their best football. And I think we made this mistake when we talked about the Broncos. We looked at the whole season Broncos sample when you look at the yeah. tightened up four or five games. Like this is more who they are than the whole season example. I know I was guilty of that. I think that the Bears are playing really good football, so the Browns are going to have to rise to the challenge, and especially playing good football against a team that's a heavy dosage under center wide zone team the way Ben Johnson likes to do, and and they've given the Lions fits. So 
that's a but but I, I think again we would all agree a whole this team at home is just different than they mm-hmm. are on the road they yeah. also get the jets at home now the jets beat the snot out of the texans today but i think if you watch the jets defense play at home they have been a far more successful group i don't have stats for that but just based on the things i've seen zach wilson and that defense is kind of pesky at home the texans on the flip side cj stroud enters concussion protocol they're down now beat up even more at wide receiver with Nico Collins. So when you looked at the schedule five weeks ago, you'd be like, Bears and Jets, let's go, got those. While those games are a little trickier, but they're at home, which is really important. And there's a chance you could catch the Texans at the right time on the road. You like the vibe of that. That's just my opinion. I like the vibe of the home road over the next three. And then we'll see where we're at. Week 18 is a little too far away, but we'll see where we're at with the Bengals. I know they're playing good football right now. They just beat obviously the Jags the week before this week and really put a hurt on the Colts in the second half of the game today. So they're playing better ball, but it in January 7th, that still might be a game where they're already eliminated from the playoffs. So if you look at the Bengals games, they have looming, they go, they get a home game against Minnesota. Who's kind of a wreck right now at Pittsburgh at KC. So at Pittsburgh and at KC are never guaranteed to be anything other than really challenging. So who knows where they'll be at that point. So I just, I like where the Browns are. I, I think that, you know, Andrew, you're making a good point. The division is still something that they're probably internally talking about. They're definitely chasing from a fan's perspective of how do these guys get in the playoffs today was absolutely huge to get that game, to get above the seven and six, you know, jumbled up mess and have the Bears and Jets teams playing relatively well at home and then go to a dome scenario setting and try to give your best shot against a beat up Texans offense and a defense that hasn't been playing that well of late either. So I really like the shape of the next three for them in terms of where they're getting them and the, and the vibe around the team in which they're getting. So uh, exci- I'm excited about it, guys. We've got four games. I mean, like you said, Andrew, if you'd have told everybody about these injuries before the season, you would have written them off. Four and ten, five and nine, whatever the, you know, four, five and eight, four and nine, three and ten. I don't even know how, how far in the season we are. But <laughs> if you said on December 17th, you're eight and five, and you got these three games in a row to really define where your season goes, playoffs or uh, even beyond, you'd be like, God, sign me up, man. Sign me mm-hmm. up. So it's exciting to see. Uh, and again, two straight one o'clock kickoffs, big fan of one o'clock kickoffs. Love those. Uh, but you also get a home game 815 with the Jets on Thursday night. So right. you like that little raucous home environment. I mean, I think we could probably all say with a gentle little uh, gentle little push, hey, Browns fans, let's get into the stadium for those games. Let's get a you know, mm. home environment. <laughs> let's make sure those tickets aren't 8 or $9 to get in. Let's, you know, we'll, we'll tush push. Let's get you in the stadium and let's be raucous for them because they play well for you guys at home. What are they now? I mean. Six and one. Six and one at home. Yeah. How, when's yeah. the last time that happened? We should look into that data. Maybe yeah. you guys uh, answer some of the same questions. I'll start doing some data dives. Here we go. Brad, uh, yeah, it, it looks like things – Broke right for them today, other than that Rams failing to get over the line against the Ravens. But otherwise, you feel good about where things stand. You feel good that they've got the game up on all the teams nodded at uh, at, at a game below them at uh, seven and six. And so you kind of you kind of pass it forward to next week, and and you're you're already kind of hoping for that win. But but what about you know what about some of these other teams that that they're in the pack with? Is there a team that jumps out to you as maybe their biggest com- competition for me. I'm, I think the story around Buffalo is, is the most compelling one. If they can just reel yeah. off a few wins and then get into the playoffs, they're going to, nobody's going to want to play them. Right. 
Right, I would agree with that. And the Bengals' uh, resurgence under Browning is a little scary, too, uh, right? Like, that's uh, a situation that's kind of taking hold a little bit. Like, I didn't know it was going to be something that they could repeat, but they appeared to this week, right? So um, that's something to keep an eye on, certainly, with Week 18 implications as well. I would say that the Bears... Just got a leg cramp. Uh, the Bears... Um, line is three I just saw in the chat, and that seems really short compared. I think the look ahead was like seven or eight. So, yeah. uh, that right there, if you're zeroing in on this game, shows you the kind of ball that the Bears are playing right now. I would say, yeah. All right. So, the playoff picture looks a lot the better Bears. at the end of the, the day than it did at the beginning of the day for the Browns. It looked all right before, but now it looks really good. Yeah. So, we look forward to next week. Uh, any final thoughts here? Let's go around for some final thoughts. Um, Brad, I'll go right back to you because I, I, yeah. Jake has the look on his face that tells me he is deep in internet research. So, yeah. uh, Brad, I'll go to you for just a final thought today about the thing that maybe you're the most excited about from today's game. You know, once again, I'm most excited just about the um, just this this team is easy to like. Like I, I said this a lot last year that the last year's team was kind of difficult to like. There was things about them that that made them uh, that you know were kind of off putting. The finger pointing and all that stuff, right? The all that, but this this team is just so easy to like. They just have a they have a personality. They have an identity. They have a character. They know who they are, and they're winning that way with that character and that. There's something about that that's really easy to get behind. So uh, that is my biggest uh, takeaway with them again being you know winning a sloppy physical game that they. Uh, come out of very interesting stuff from Miles Garrett at the end of the game. I couldn't agree with him more. I 100% think that uh, now he did say hack a shack, which is not the quite ref the, the exact reference. I think you know hack a shack is when they foul him and send him to the free throw line to miss free throws. I think he just meant like the treatment of Shaq in the NBA where. He just didn't get a lot of foul calls because he was too big and nobody could stop him. But, uh, yes, so just, you know, straighten that out for Miles. Yeah, Garrett would make his free throws. Yes, he would. It's got uh, a good 100%. jump shot. It's, a pretty, yep. it's pretty good. It's clean. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. clean. Uh, yeah, he's uh, all right, Jake. Uh, final thought from you, please. What, what, hold on. Hang on. I'm not done yet. You, you try. What are you? What are you playing the music for me? Getting the hook out, Andrew? If that's what it takes, Brad. I'm just kidding. Uh, Grant Delpit, concerned about. Uh, the injury that would suck really bad to get an extension and get injured on the same day. So, uh, yeah. thoughts with him. Go ahead. What a weird play that was jumping and then slamming into miles. That stinks. Mm -hmm. 2014 Browns, because these are the only 20, sorry, 2020 Browns. Uh, I think they lost two home games. They think they started five and two at home. 2007, 14 Browns, they, they ended up losing so many at the end. It didn't, didn't help out. It's kind of sad that we can do these three highlight seasons over the last 20 years where they won enough games. 2007 Browns went 10 and six, went seven and one at home that year. They went three and five on the road, which the, was their eventual downfall. Uh, I think to Brad's point, um, I don't know how to articulate this team. I don't know how to put them into words that really fits the description of who they are, but I'm enjoying the ride of watching them. I know you guys, you, you probably hate this about me. I know this is not a team that can go win a Super Bowl. And you can do the anything can happen world. They're, they're, they're not. They're, Humbug. That doesn't mean that they can't have a really enjoyable season where they get into the playoffs and form really good habits. They 
can eventually push them that is a stepping stone. So like if say the 2024 or 2025 Browns are real Super Bowl contenders in the mix, conference champions, get to the Super Bowl, whatever, you're going to look back and say, well, I think it was the 23 team that set the standard for how to win in really tough moments and how to take adversity in stride and make it to the next place, the next spot. That to me is what I view 23 as. It would be disappointing to me, guys, the same way as it would you to not make the playoffs. Would I love to see them go on some sort of miracle Super Bowl run? It'd be the greatest story in sports, probably. I'd love it. But I keep some perspective on this thing to say, I don't think they have that in them this year, but it doesn't take away from what it t- what should matter about this year and getting to the playoffs and being in it. And then when we look back two, three years from now, you can say, well, when did we know? And I think, Andrew, I, I, I know that you and I talked about this around the 49ers game about like Kevin Stefanski's defining moment as a coach. He hasn't had a defining win. That SOB has like six or seven of them right now this year that they've put together. And then yeah, you, exactly. you, we all sit here and say, well, how do I mean things always work out for the Steelers or the Ravens? How do they get there? How does their culture just bring these? Well, that's what we should be like. I'm caring most about that right now. Like yeah. a Ronnie Hickman arriving and playing and delivering in a moment, right? Mm-hmm. Or somebody else coming into the game, into the fold and making plays. That's how you form winning habits. So, like, if you look at, you know, the, the, the best part of what this year could be, it would be those things becoming habitual. And then it leads into better health in the next few years. And you have a real chance to make a run at it. And you say, when did you guys know you could do this? Well, you know, it was kind of like that week six game against San Francisco in 23 where we didn't nobody believed in us and we did it right. Or it was when the Jags came to town and week 14 and we beat them like those were moments we started to believe that we could beat anybody in the NFL. And that that's the stuff I think is forming right now. And there's a big belief. If you listen to all the players talk about Kevin, there's a big belief in the buying into the one to know every week. You know, Miles saying this this in his postgame presser, he's coaching his ass off like there's real belief and bought in a process with the head coach. And now if you get all the little other pieces around it to kind of formulate and get health in the right direction, and you have guys that are together, that's what I like about the Grant Delpit thing more than anything. It's core guys together. Couple years of this, man. And it's like, you know, anything can happen, man. And like, that's where I think you could look at 23 as a, uh, as a launch in to, to, to what is bigger and better things down the line. And I, I think that that's where I view this season as a potential to be really special in that regard. But again, I'm not go on that miracle run and prove me wrong. I, I whatever I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just kind of trying to keep like, what am I looking for? That's it. And today was a great, just a great moment in that process, right? How many, how many bottle gate flashbacks you have? Oh God, Jags, they're coming back on side kick. They don't care about that stuff. They overcome it now. They, they don't, just it's all fa- it's all fans it's all fan stuff now it's the players are proving that it doesn't matter so i don't know just they're doing a great job with that stuff. yeah that's a great way to wrap it up jake uh, i appreciate that perspective and the long view uh i will give you a different perspective which is i am on the playoff machine right now and there's a clear path for the browns to have the one seed especially with the chiefs losing to Let's the bills go, today baby. so i'm all about uh, it. 12 and 5 and the one seed is where i'm at um and and i think that solves your problem of playing poorly on the road Right, you just don't do it again. Sure in the does. That, that that takes care of that. So, all right, that wraps us up for tonight. We will obviously break down this win all week long on the OBR. We've got uh, chalk talk tomorrow night. We've got dog house, dog pound. I don't know. I Kibbles and bits. It's one of them. It's yeah, one Kibbles, of them. yeah. It's a it's a dog pun, 
And then we've got Garage Beers on Tuesday. We've got the OBR Weekly on Wednesday. We've got All Eyes on Cleveland on Thursday. It's a full week of shows plus uh, an avalanche of content on the website. Thank you so much for joining us. Special shout out again to our buddy Philly for sponsoring the show. Check out his merch. Rewind the show to about the 30-minute mark. We talk about it in depth. You can see it on my hat. You can see it on Brad's hat, Jake's stuff. We're all wearing it. It's great stuff. Go support Philly. Go support a, a fellow Browns fan. Thank you to Ian McBride behind the scenes. Thank you to Brad and Jake for joining me. We'll be back tomorrow night. Until then, go Browns.